0: this is Rachel McElroy.
1: (laughs) Hello, this is Swordfish. And this is wonderful. Codename Swordfish hacking in. in (laughs) Don't even bother looking in your computer wires. I'm in there. You stick your hand inside your computer and you part the wires and I've been living in there. You find crumbs and toilet paper. That's where I live in your computer. Codename Swordfish.
0: Like a little Donkey Kong. Like a little
1: Donkey Kong. Throwing
0: the bits and bites down.
1: That's how he works. That's how he does his work. This is a uh, wonderful, this is a show where we talk about good things, uh, and I'll go ahead and say it, computers, not one of them. Computers, not high on the list oh, for me babe. today.
0: You know that's not true.
1: They got me pedo. And you know I don't like to use this kind of language, but <laughs> computers got me pedo. I built a, a new computer today, and that's a usually a very satisfying pro- a process, but it took me a very long time, and then we just sat down to record, and it took us a half hour to get going because of how bad the computer was being a stinker. So,
0: to be fair, your setup in here is a little complicated.
1: It's a little convoluted. It's a little tough to follow. Um, Critics have uh, called it labyrinthine. Labyrinthine. That's a tough word to say, huh? Labyrinthine. Labyrinthine. Anyway, do you have any small wonders?
0: Uh, I do. Um, I am going to say uh, the movie we just watched, The Farewell.
1: The farewell, it's yeah, very, very good, man. I do not, I do not want to say farewell. Hello to good acting from Aquafina. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh huh. When I say that, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I thought it was going to be a sort of emotionally um, devastating. Me too. I think
0: I actually used the word devastating when I was thinking of what I was getting myself into.
1: It's certainly like, uh, you know, emotional, but it's not as manipulative as you would think. Uh, It's about a a family in China, uh, Aquafina's character, Lives in the states with her parents, and their grandmother is dying, but they don't tell her. They like lie to her about the state of her health. It's it, and that sounds extremely sad, but it's like it's actually a really, really subtle flick.
0: It is. It is pretty sad, but it is also uh, very funny.
1: It's a very, very funny. I really do like Aquafina a lot. I, yeah. I was thinking about uh, Crazy Rich Asians, how just fucking hysterical she is in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say connect uh, the Xbox controller that you do with your body. We've been yeah. playing some stuff with Henry, and it's just, it's a, 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 been digging some stuff out of the boneyard. Reminds me of how uh, how much I enjoyed some of those games.
0: We were really into it for a while there. That was kind of like our go-to weekend
1: activity. Yeah, we had a party. We did uh, a lot of Dance Central with our friends. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Fantasia, the uh, Fantasia yeah. harmonics from the rock band folks. Uh, played that, picked that one back up. It's like falling off a log. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Uh, let's keep that nerd ass train a rolling with my first thing if you don't mind go right ahead my first thing is uh, a speed run that was, took place during uh, aGdq awesome games done quick uh, this past weekend or this past week I guess and I I missed most of it this year I wasn't watching a whole lot uh and so the past couple days i've been getting caught up and i watched one speed run that really uh boggled my mind of how wild it was and then i was talking to like everybody in slack and everybody's like yes that is the wildest run and i know you it's not really your scene but i'm hoping i can get you as on board with it as you did with dr fat body's sort of seminal crowd
0: work made it it was you know uh,
1: well and his play i mean he was yes he's very
0: good but he was also like an excellent hype man
1: right the run i'm talking about for this year's event is the legend of zelda link to the past crowd control randomizer speed run so there's like four layers of things to (laughs) sort of unpack there uh the legend of zelda link to the past was the super nintendo game in the zelda franchise Is this the
0: one that you always used to try and speedrun?
1: No, that was Ocarina of Time. And I didn't try to speedrun it. I did. No, I did pretty bad. Uh, I just didn't know the strats. Anyway, we can't start unpacking that. This Super Nintendo game, Link to the Past, is like a staple of the speedrun community. It's like, for a lot of people, it's like the best Zelda game out there. Just top-down 2D, like action, adventure, sort of RPG thing. Uh, A couple years ago, this new scene developed around the, the game called the randomizer scene. And it was because uh, folks developed this piece of software where you could drop in uh, an emulated like, uh, you know, computer executable version of the game and it would switch everything in all the chests like all all around. So you play Link to the Past, you know where everything is, you know, where you're going to get the boomerang, you know, where you're going to get the hookshot, you know, where you're going to get the bombs this would generate a randomized version of the game where every time you played it, you didn't know where anything was going to be. Oh, that's cool. And because it's a Zelda game, like you could really sequence break the whole thing. So instead of having to go to this dungeon, this dungeon, this dungeon, and then get the Master Sword, and then you can travel back in time and do this dungeon, this... You may open up the first chest and like, oh, there's the Master Sword. So I can just go ahead and skip the first half of the game and just like run straight ahead. Uh, And so it kind of becomes a puzzle of like, how can I... Continue to progress in this game, and there's lots of other fun modifiers. You can just turn the sword off, so you just like have to play without a sword, like hitting things with your shovel and hoping for the best. It's it's been in a lot of GDQs. So this this run is randomized. The person playing it, this guy named Andy, has no idea where anything's going to be. Uh, it's being watched by you know thousands and thousands of people, uh, a lot of which are watching on Twitch, which is the online streaming platform. Uh, and here is where the other Layer comes in and this is nothing I'd ever seen before. And it was the wildest shit. And even if you don't care about this stuff, like it is such a fun watch. Uh, Crowd control is a plugin on Twitch where everybody watching could donate bits, which is like a Twitch currency uh, to the prevent cancer foundation, which is the foundation that they were raising money for with this event. Uh, And by donating bits, you could do things in the game. So if you donated like 150 bits, you could give Andy like an extra set of arrows or an extra bomb or here's some rupees or an extra heart container and it would show up in game or you could pay some bits to like remove one of his like health bar pieces or just get rid of all of his bombs or take away, keep that item from being able to be used for a little while. Uh, those are like the cheapest options. Uh,
0: like while the game is happening or live in live
1: while That's the game is crazy. happening. Everybody's watching the game and spending donating money to do things to change the game. So those things like adding or removing certain items are like the cheapest options. Uh, hysterically, you can also mess with the controller so you could donate like a significant amount of money and you would switch the face buttons and the D pad on the controller left to right. Uh, or you would switch it vertically, so up would be down and down would be up and X would be B and B would be X. Uh, and so you would just watch this guy playing as Link just like running and then immediately turn left and jump into a pit. It's like, ah, they just switch the controls on you. And then you can do like wild, wild, wild stuff like... Uh, like triple the speed of the game all of a sudden with no warning whatsoever or turn on like ice physics so everybody's sliding all around all over the place or turn on uh swarms of like killer chickens or turn it into a uh, one-hit kill mode where if he gets hit he just dies instantly uh and then the highest price item on like this menu of things you could donate money for would just kill him instantly and so people would just do that while at sort of significant parts of the run and just out of nowhere, Link would just fall down dead because somebody just donated $500 to nuke him from orbit. Andy, the guy playing this game is like an experienced random Zelda speedrunner.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Was this Sisyphean tortured, heroic figure <laughs> The likes of which I've never seen a performance. The run took almost four hours. and Did this he is get a,
0: like legitimately pissed off?
1: No. he. That's what's so incredible is he kept his cool. He had uh, a couch of like commentators behind him who've like played this mode before, like providing commentary on what was happening. And they were just badgering him, like really picking on him a lot in jest, but just like nonstop, just like riding this guy's jock. And then, you know, you have the game that you're playing. You're playing a video game. So that's a kind of challenge. You have the pressure of the audience watching you, right? So you're, like, playing against yourself. You have the randomization. You don't know, like, where anything's going to be. And on top of all that, you have, like, an audience who are actively trying to kill you all at the same time. Yeah, this seems terrible. It is a man against the elements. It is. But at the time where he would, like, use his tremendous skill at this game to overcome, like... It's one hit kill and all these flying chickens are coming at him and his controller is reversed and the ground is ice so he can't move and he's just trying to stay alive until the timers run out on all these shitty effects like it was so fun to watch it was so hysterically funny. Uh, and it's not like anything I've ever seen before. And I think it's just rad that this kind of technology even exists. Like, yeah, this it's is, really
0: hard to fathom how that works.
1: I know. It's like a game that uh, I played so many times in my childhood, and watching it be played in this like complete bizarro interactive like online way was like one of the coolest things i've i've seen like come out of the the speed running scene in a while so that's my that's my highlight from uh this year's event and uh i had a real good time watching i skimmed it mostly i couldn't watch four hours of a speed run i'm not (laughs) at a place in my life where i can do that but uh it is it is super super entertaining what's your first thing
0: My first thing is not anything that I have any personal relationship to, but that I appreciate. Okay. And that is good penmanship.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is coming. You're like, you're coming at me a little bit with this.
0: I have terrible penmanship.
1: Whose is worse? I have had you, I have had you like fill out like birthday Uh, cards before. I don't
0: think mine is noticeably better than yours. Okay. I, I think mine is more legible. But it is not remotely um, artistic in any way.
1: A lot of people would argue that legibility is a sign of good penmanship.
0: (laughs) I feel like my handwriting looks approximately like it did when I was 11 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is is kind of a problem, I think.
1: I think it's not great for me.
0: Um, Part of this is because handwriting, just as a practice kind of disappeared in the 80s once computers took over.
1: Mavis took it down, huh? Mavis stranglehold to the ground until it died.
0: The emphasis became on, you know, keyboarding and typing more than, you know, handwriting.
1: Yeah, it's wicked fast. Did you know? Do you think the handwriting people out there know? Like people I see, (laughs) I see people doing calligraphy and it's like, this is taking forever.
0: Um. But I don't know if this is the case for you, but, like, I have noticed, like, my mom's handwriting and my grandparents' handwriting was just, like, incredible. Yeah. You know? And I always thought, like, how how did this happen and how was mine so terrible? And that's because handwriting was something that was actually valued for a very long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they didn't have like memes, right? They didn't have all these funny memes. Yeah, that's true. Because they took so long to say like, hello, my dearest, I write to you. On a
0: Saturday, you know, when we're like, you know, on our our Nintendos, they were like writing letters. They
1: were writing letters. Uh And I was over, I was on my Nintendo like, lol, yeet. (laughs)
0: uh so handwriting there are like different schools of handwriting um in the mid 1800s a abolitionist and bookkeeper named platt rogers spencer uh developed are
1: you sure that's not like a last name presented first like a formal surname presentation
0: well, because the system is known as the Spencerian method. Okay, so I'm assuming that's the last name. Uh, it was a cursive writing system, uh, and it can. Uh, he's known as the father of American penmanship, and uh, his book Spencer and Rice's System of Business and Ladies Penmanship. Oh, was the first so kind are of those, foray. The, Are those
1: the two schools? Is business and ladies?
0: So this is the thing back in the day. So there were professional. <laughs> Like, penmen responsible for writing things like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Okay. Like people with super great handwriting, that was all they did was write things for people.
1: Is that like John Hancock or is that apocryphal? He didn't write well, it.
0: Well, that was his signature. But it was, like, his,
1: but it was Tommy Jay who wrote it, yes?
0: Well, this is supposing that it wasn't... I mean, Thomas Jefferson may have drafted it, but the oh. actual formal document was written by a professional penman.
1: Who? Well, That's I, the real father of our country. What the
0: fuck? We don't know that? I'm going to go national treasure. I'm sure we do. I just personally don't. Have I let you down today?
1: I'm just, I I need to go pull out all of the bills the out of penman? my wallet and start folding it until I find out the answer <laughs> to this fucking question.
0: Um, the most popular of Spencer's book was the Spencerian Key to Practical Penmanship that came out in 1866. Were people not writing good it wasn't like an art form, you know. I think initially, well, first of all, there were like for a long time there wasn't like standardized spelling. For example, okay. you know, like the idea that there was like a set way to spell and communicate was was not something that always existed. Okay. In the turn of the 20th century, uh, Charles Zaner and Elmer Blosser uh, came out with the what has become the new kind of uh, fundamental guide to handwriting. Uh, And this was uh, something that was called the Zaner method of arm movement. (laughs) and it was developed especially for elementary age children so especially for kids coming up learning how to write
1: are we talking when you say a book about i'm thinking about what a book about handwriting looks like and it's the wildest shit I i'm mean, just imagining that the like charts that they would hang up on the chalkboard yeah. of like the three lines yeah. with the big okay that's what we're talking yeah. about uh-huh. okay that's the zaner
0: yeah and just like practicing like workbooks just like practicing over and over oh, again okay okay um
1: I thought I was imagining like a literary book that's like, okay, let's begin with A. Uh, this one's uh, big, round. round, like an O. I hear you asking me if it's like the O, <laughs> and the answer is kind of, but there's a lot more going on
0: there's here. There's a line? Where does the line go? Well, I'm going to get to I'm that. I'm going to
1: get to that in the next paragraph. If the you just line, wait. The line goes on the right. <laughs> no, not like that. No, God, no. I wish I could just show you what the cursive <laughs> A looks like instead of having to... Uh, fine.
0: Um, Zaner Blosser is actually still around. In 1972, they became owned by, uh, um, the highlights for children. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then in 1991, they launched a handwriting contest, uh, for kids age, uh, (laughs) K through eight.
1: Okay. Now I'm just imagining like... Uh, you know, two harried businessmen like sweating, leaning over their desk like, what are we gonna fucking do, man? What are we gonna, f-? a contest, a contest for children.
0: Now the, like that whole organization is more founded on like reading and literacy. They like, had to
1: do, they had to change it to but something But they still, else.
0: to like stay true to their roots, have this handwriting contest.
1: It was for, uh, you know, 120 years, it was all about good handwriting and then for like a year while they tried some stuff out, it was about pogs and then they were like, <laughs> we need, it's it's gotta be more endemic. Slammers to-
0: used to be called Zed. Zaners.
1: They were called zainers mm-hmm. to begin with. It was yes. a
0: brief time period. Uh, now, see, when I was doing research online, a lot of this is from history.com, uh, they said that in many European countries, students still get handwriting instruction.
1: Of course. I don't doubt that. Yeah. At all. Which
0: I, I would have appreciated. I remember when I was learning cursive, for example, there was a little bit of that. But even then, I was not particularly good at it.
1: I would also be surprised. I, I'm almost certain this is not limited to, to like, Europe, right? Yeah. Like, I, I imagine in, in... No,
0: what I said, he primarily was American, and then they just referenced that European countries, they're still doing it. Uh,
1: okay. I was yeah. thinking of, like, countries with, like, uh, representative character sets. I forget what, like that category of like handwriting is oh, called yeah. but like uh uh you know hiragana and yeah yeah no i'm talking stuff. about english, okay, english yes. primarily
0: um this is a little fun fact to just kind of end it um legible handwriting is called uh griffonage.
1: are you kidding me m m g r i f f i n no, a g g
0: g r i f f o n a g e
1: I love that. That's so good.
0: I found this website that listed all these kind of obscure words and what they meant, and then I came
1: across that one. That's so good Mm -hmm. because it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's not great when it happens at my child's daycare when I have to write (laughs) his name on something, and they're like, Who's Hedry?
0: Oh, and I also read about different, there were a lot of tips online about how to improve your handwriting style. And one of the things I read talked about how the the grip of the pencil, there isn't actually one like preferred grip. It really depends on your <gasps> hand shape. You're thing. kidding me. Yes.
1: So all the times I got yelled at, it, I hold, how would you describe my pencil holding technique?
0: Most people take their index finger and that's kind of the main player in what they're doing with their
1: writing implement. Griffin... I'm going to use the side of my middle finger.
0: Yeah, he's got two fingers out there. Um it looks like he's just picked up a pencil for the first time.
1: <laughs> it is and it's how I get you know what I'm thinking about now you know I have crooked middle fingers.
0: Oh. I'm uh-huh. wondering
1: if that's why. Just from real intense gripping? Yeah, just from gripping a pencil like for you know uh, the times in my life where a pencil was still relevant. God, what if keyboards hadn't been invented? What would my <laughs> your hands? My hands would be <laughs> like a wild like roots of a tree. Like a, an accursed <laughs> monkey's paw. <laughs> Uh, hey, can I steal you away?
0: Yes. Can I share a message from our first sponsor this week? Yep. It is HoneyBook.
1: Mmm, the sticky one. The stickiest book around. <laughs> mm, don't let Pooh Bear near that book.
0: Griffin, you don't always have to be on. <gasps> oh, could
1: I have a roll of your <laughs> Honey Book?
0: Um, this actually is really relevant to you. So I want you to just be a little serious here for a moment
1: Okay. because this is for, I'm going to bounce all over, over your honey book.
0: This is for small business owners, Griffin McElroy.
1: Like me. Someone has
0: trusted you to own a
1: business. (laughs) That was Eeyore. Yeah, uh, not for much longer if this is how I decide to keep doing advertisements.
0: Uh, HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. It is perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners that want to consolidate services they already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com slash wonderful. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash wonderful for 50% off your first year. That's five zero percent off. That's honeybook.com slash wonderful.
1: I like that. That's a good idea. It's like a little, would you say it's like a little kangaroo pouch that you can tuck everything into. And then I was gonna, maybe this could be another Winnie the Pooh reference.
0: But less sticky, I think, is probably what they'd want you to leave with. You think they
1: don't like it saying that their service is very sticky?
0: I, I don't think most uh, businesses would like that.
1: But it's good for your allergies and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. If you have a
1: cold or something like that. Hey, did you have a long day at work or a tough day at school? Or are you still at the office? One of those three things is true about you. Yeah, And so I want you to treat yourself to a meal that you deserve, that you need to have in your body, and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. They connect you with your favorite restaurants in your city, ordering super easy. You get the DoorDash app, you open it up, you pick what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Uh, And not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, I'm talking about Dougie's Nasty Stuff. That's the name (laughs) of the new one, Dougie's Nasty Slice. Uh, and this one's down on Fifty Third Street mm-hmm. Avenue, and they have—it's true to form. It's they are disgusting slices. Of the over three
0: hundred and forty thousand restaurants on Doordash, you wanted to talk about
1: Dougies, but it, it, there's a certain charm. Their their pizza is a fucking dumpster. <laughs> their garlic knots. I'll fuck with their garlic (laughs) knots. Anyway, right now our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code WONDERFULPOD, all one word. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code WONDERFULPOD, again, promo code WONDERFULPOD, for $5 off your first order from DoorDash.
0: Can I read you this first personal message? Yes. It is for Justin. It is from Bree. You are the best bay a goblin could ask for. From the amazing care you take of our long snake son and trash cat baby to the unwavering support you show me, no matter what creative or athletic endeavor I think I can tackle. Thank you. I can't wait to marry you this Halloween and spend the rest of my spooky life with you.
1: You better be careful with that. I wish you great love and great success with your love and your wedding. And congratulations. Halloween wedding, though, I feel like you're inviting in some spirits well, is all i'm gonna say
0: i mean it sounds like brie is a goblin based on the message so that seems like a maybe
1: great this kind of all hallows trickery is exactly mm-hmm. what they are looking for mm-hmm. okay i'm just gonna say be careful skeletons like to hide in big cakes Ooh. So here's a message for Tommy And it's uh, from Courtney who says Dear Thomas, surprise! Here's a Jumbotron I just wanted to thank you for enduring my silly songs Playing board games with me, parenting our kitty boys And most importantly, loving me unconditionally I love you so very much And I'm so thankful to have you in my life I hope you have a wonderful day, love Courtney Love Courtney Do you think that that's <laughs> A sign off or do you think that that's An sort order of an or- <laughs> Love Courtney <laughs> Good day. Thank you for the kitty boys. Love, Courtney.
2: Hey, gang. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun. And with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi,
0: everyone. I also send you newsletters.
2: Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You... MaxFund listeners have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun
0: drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children.
2: Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is. to be exact.
0: Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers.
2: In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever.
0: The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids.
2: Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National CASA GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA And seriously, thank you. Our community rules.
0: Can I hear your second thing, please?
1: My second thing is a music thing. I'm really excited to talk about it. Because uh, it's a band I discovered like last fall sometime, and I just assumed that they were like a pretty big deal that lots of people uh, who are fans of this type of music knew about. And then I was like researching them today, and they're like wicked not. Uh, there's if you base a band's like sort of mainstream appeal by Spotify plays, like there's there's uh, I don't know, they're a bit more underground than I thought. They're called the Westerlies. Uh, and they are a four-piece chamber brass band. I'd heard that term chamber, like in reference yeah. to like a band before, and I never actually knew what it meant. Me neither. The definition is uh, it is a small band with one player to each part, uh, oh. as opposed to an orchestra, which would have, you know, here's yes. five flutes and here's the violin section. Uh, the chamber literally referring to uh, a band large enough to fit into a palace chamber or large room. Uh, so like a string quartet is probably the most common form of, uh, chamber band. Uh, westerly is, I don't think they actually fulfill the requirements because they are two trombonists and, uh, two trumpeters. There's just four folks. Uh, but they make the most beautiful, just dreamiest, biggest sounds with their, like with their limited roster. Uh, they formed in 2011, and uh, I think their like biggest exposure at this point is they've done some collaborations with uh, Fleet Foxes. Um, I think they played like a show or two with them, and I think that they have provided like uh, backing instrumentation to uh, one of their albums. Uh, but their sound is just so unique, and uh, I am always on the lookout for like nice chill atmospheric work music and this has been like my jam for a few months now uh so i'm gonna play one of their songs now Uh, it's my favorite song of theirs and it is called sorrow It's, it's like super cinematic and that's like another sort of thing I'm always like into. Yeah, is like, I'm
0: always surprised by like your interest in that, like not in context, you know, just by itself to like listen to that kind of music.
1: It, I don't. It's just some way that my brain works where and it's why I started to like get into music when I was doing Taz is like. I like to listen to a song and like imagine this kind of scene that it yeah. would uh, uh, that it would underscore, uh, and I just cannot not do that while while listening to the to the Westerlies, and they have like a pretty broad range of sounds. Like they they have more like sort of popier uh, songs, and they have more sort of traditional uh, you know classical uh, format songs. Uh, all just four piece brass. Um, but this type, like this, they have a few songs like this that are just really just, uh, I don't know, cinematic and big and beautiful. It is t- it is really tough to categorize uh, as evidenced by they have, of course, done a tiny desk concert for NPR. Oh, OK. Uh, and NPR wrote of the band, uh, young musicians today routinely resist being pigeonholed into a single genre, such as the case with this unconventional band, which through its compositions and tight ensemble playing reveals a built in sympathy for improvised jazz, rigorous classical structures and sunshiny pop. Uh, another neat thing about them I've been listening to them for for months now but it, it wasn't until I researched them that I learned that they are actually a non nonprofit that is like supported by a like board of, of donors uh, that uh, they are also sort of all about like education and community building. Uh, through music uh, and that's through like going out and actually like teaching seminars in underserved schools and uh, participating in, uh, you know, panels and conventions about sort of equality in jazz or uh, you know, music composition or whatever, uh, their mission statement is the Westerlies are committed to dismantling racism, sexism, and economic inequality in their field and aim to reflect their values of diversity and inclusion in the music they make and the spaces they occupy. Uh, they're just like, Doing dope shit like across the country. They don't actually tour that much. They, the, a lot of the shows that they play yeah, are like. I was like, trying
0: to picture like what a concert would be like.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a, like, uh, a string quartet play in, co- it's, you know, it's not dynamic, right? I imagine that there's not pyrotechnics or anything like that. Um, but I don't know. I just love their music, and I, I love like the cool shit that they're doing outside of it. They're also on top of all that like recording artists. They have a new album out at the end of this month, which I'm very excited about, called uh, "Wherein Lies the Good." Uh, and there's a few singles out for that album. So just to leave this bit, I'm gonna play one, uh, and it's called Robert Henry, and it's it's also very much in that just like you know c- cinematic soundtracky sort of vibe. Uh, so here is Robert Henry. What's your second thing?
0: My second thing And I told Griffin, like, I had a hard time coming up with my second thing. Yes. And then this kind of hit me like a bolt of lightning. Mm. And I, like, furiously, like, did all the research I could in the short amount of time I had left in the day. What is it? McGruff the Crime Dog.
1: You like this dog?
0: I love this dog.
1: Okay. He's kind of a narc, right? No. All right. I don't know anything about McGruff. You don't understand
0: what McGruff is about. Is I it, think I'm pretty sure my mom had a McGruff puppet in her classroom. Okay, this was like a big movement.
1: I re, I don't think I my school was ever visited by McGruff. I don't think I don't think I ever had any McGruff exposure to speak. Oh
0: of. no, Griffith. It may
1: have been uh, you know after my time. It may have been I was getting like slim good body. Like that's who I was. That was the heat I was getting.
0: But how did you know to prevent crime?
1: I didn't. That's why I did.
0: You did all the crimes. Well, I
1: did so much, like you know, stealing and uh, hurting, <laughs> and uh, you know, jumping on the grass uh-huh. that I wasn't supposed to be on, littering. Oh man! And that wasn't
0: really the kind of crime. The gruff was
1: stole an airplane from the airport, and just like as a youth, uh huh, and dug a hole. Way too deep. I hit. Power. I didn't call before about power lines. I just started digging. I did. I did some time for that one. Anyway, what's this narc dog all about?
0: Okay, so McGruff was an animated bloodhound uh, that was designed to increase, uh to increase crime awareness and personal safety in the United States. McGruff debuted in 1980 with a series of public service announcements educating citizens on personal security measures such as locking doors and putting your lights on timers when you go out of town so personal measures you can take to reduce crime in your own life
1: okay not like i got super worried that it was going to go like a clint eastwood direction of like mcgruff was like are you strapped you gotta be strapped (laughs)
0: Now the idea was that, you know, that you were reducing the potential for crime. You know how, like, if you're in a parking lot and it tells you to, like, hide your belongings?
1: Precog shit.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what
1: McGruff was all McGruff about. McGruff was a precog. There were three McGruffs floating in tanks of goo.
0: People and- always reference Minority Report. Like, it's a part of our, like... Shared understanding, Minority
1: Report fucking bangs, dude. That movie. I is... know that
0: everybody's seen Minority Report the way you think they have. Pfft,
1: well, I know what my segment next week's going to be. Brush <laughs> up, suckers. I'm talking Minority Report. That movie bangs.
0: Uh, so McGruff was a hugely successful campaign. Um, in the first year, over a hundred million dollars in free airtime was donated, and it reached uh, over fifty percent of adults. Um, For a
1: dog that just said, "Lock your doors, everybody."
0: Oh, babe, so much more than that. Lucky. <laughs> okay. In 2008, they did a survey and nine out of 10 people recognized McGruff. This is 2008. This is like significantly later. He's people bl- still see McGruff and they're like, oh, yeah, I know who that dog He's a is. brown
1: bloodhound with like a fedora on. And a trench coat. And a trench coat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I'm familiar with this pupper.
0: So uh, the Department of Justice in 1977 reached out to the ad council uh to create a public campaign. Uh, Ad Council passed it on to an agency, uh, Dancer Fitzgerald Sample, who uh, was the agency that worked on Keep America Beautiful. Okay. Uh, so they conducted focus groups, and people in the focus group said that the police officers should be the one to prevent crimes, and we're not going to pay more to support more officers, which was a challenge. Uh, but they said, you know what? If you're able to emphasize individual actions and come up with easy, accessible opportunities, then we'd be willing to help out, basically, is what the focus groups came down with. Of like, Tell us little things we can do, and yeah, that's okay. So the EVP of the agency was kind of channeling Smokey the Bear when he came up with the idea of an animal. And he quickly came up with take a bite out of crime as kind of the slogan, which McGruff ended up using.
1: What do you think crime tastes like? You can do it as like a punitive action, this bite, but you're going to end up tasting some crime.
0: Batteries.
1: Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you get that, like a shock, like a,
0: Yeah, ooh. it's like unpleasant, but very like
1: specific. There's a, there's a blood, like an irony taste to it, like a, like blood or something like that. But then it's also like, ooh, I shouldn't. It's like a, the, there's, <laughs> because there's power in it, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. power in the crime. Yes. And you should be afraid of it.
0: Yes. I got to tell you about these dogs.
1: Okay. okay. There, were there <laughs> multiple takes? Yes. So okay. here's the thing.
0: So first dog um, kind of looked like Snoopy wearing like a Keystone cop hat. Okay. And his team was like, there's no way that dog's going to be taken seriously. And so the EVP said, okay, you've got a day to come up with some proposals. According to the article I read, the rejected proposals included a bulldog version of Jagger Hoover, mm, a that- golden retriever a quote aggressive looking deputy dog and quote a mongrel who became a wonder dog
1: the, do we need a uh, an origin story <laughs> was the first mongrel the crime dog like psa like so anyway i got bitten by a radioactive cop
0: <laughs> you might wonder how i became interested in crime let me tell you a little bit about where i came from
1: well this is a magic hat that lets me talk <laughs>
0: Um, what the EVP decided on was, uh, the dog in the trench coat who quote was tired, had seen the world <laughs> <laughs> and had epitomized all the detectives we had seen from Raymond Chandler to Dashiell Hammett and even Columbo.
1: Yeah. There's big Columbo energy in that, that there. It is
0: true. There's something about McGruff that's kind of like rough around the edges, no pun intended of like, shit, like I've seen some stuff, kids. And let me tell you, put your lights on a timer.
1: (laughs) In every PSA, did he like sneak just like a finger, a hooch, just a nip (laughs) of it from a little like a, like maybe a um, uh, St. Bernard with like a neck cask came over and just like (laughs) gave him a little, just a finger.
0: Not that I saw. Okay. Uh, That doesn't mean it didn't happen. I haven't seen all of McGruff's work. Uh, And there has been a lot of it. Um, When they came up with the design that the agency was really proud of, uh, the attorney general at the time uh, was really disappointed that they had, quote, been spending good money on a talking dog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he ordered it to be shut down. But at that point, the advertisements had already been distributed to the media and were set to run.
1: You can't stop the signal, baby. This (laughs) thing's bigger than you. It's bigger than the Department of Justice.
0: In November 1979, the dog was introduced at a press conference in New York City. (laughs) <laughs> which I really wish there was video footage of that. <laughs> All right, guys, we figured out how we're going to solve crime. First, let me show you a picture of this dog. <laughs> Second, his name will be determined by a conf- uh, contest, which is exactly what happened. Eight months later, a please nationwide tell me you have other, do you have other names? Contest. Do
1: you have other names?
0: I have the runner-up. Okay, nationwide contest to name the dog. McGruff was the winner, obviously. The runner-up was Sherlock. Holmes locked being a reference to the idea of locking your doors. That sucks.
1: (laughs) That sucks as bad as that one episode of Sherlock where that was like the solution to the big mystery at the end. Do you remember that one? No. I will talk about it. after. I don't want to go about spoiling Sherlock for people.
0: Um... Yes, that's how we came up with McGruff. That's I how we got reading, to McGruff. I was like up until 2012, they were still using McGruff's image in like campaigns to like uh, guard the elderly and to prevent like cyberbullying. Like McGruff still gets trotted out every once in a while of like you can prevent crime by being better.
1: But uh, yeah, it's a little presumptuous. You know what I mean? It's like lock your doors. And don't get cyberbullied. And also don't cyberbully. I'm McGruff the Crime Dog, <laughs> and I done done it again.
0: Uh, rough, rough. Uh, take a bite. Uh, turn around in a circle and lay down.
1: Lock your doors. Okay, they smashed in my windows. Bar those up. Okay, well they used C4 and blew a hole in the wall. Dig a big hole. You live uh, in there, you live there now. I'm a gruff the crime dog. You're a whole dweller.
0: Speaking of crime, let me open this trench book. I'm selling some bootleg DVDs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you said trench book. And I'm imagining it, that would be Did I say trench book? You did, and that's like the new that's like your new dark underground Facebook.
0: <laughs> um, I loved this time period, this like idea that like a little spokes animal was gonna like motivate people to do things. Have we talked
1: about Louis the Lightning bug before?
0: We haven't, but I didn't know if that was a regional thing or not because we had that.
1: We had that as well. I okay. think it must have been must have been Yeah, we had that. We had Smokey, we had McGruff, we mm-hmm. had Mr. Yuck. Do you have Mr. Yeah. Yuck? Oh yeah. Uh Slim Slim Goodbody may not be I'm as not universal. Familiar. Uh, uh yeah there was a lot Louis the mm. lightning bug was always my favorite cuz his j- he had like jams yeah he was jazzy he had like you got to play it safe around electricity <laughs> Uh is fresh. Hey, can I tell you what our friends at home are excited about? Yes. I'll tell you about Beauregard. says, uh, one of my favorite small wonders is when people ask you to take their picture, partly because it's cute to know that they want to have a picture badly enough to ask a stranger, and partly because I'd like to start taking pictures before they're ready just in case I can capture something cute, <laughs> something fucking real.
0: Griffin always gets asked to take photos.
1: I do. I have that face of a person who can't run away very quickly with your camera. <laughs> David says, my small wonder for this week is Neil Pert, the drummer from Rush who just passed away. His drumming was unbelievably good, and watching videos of him is really exciting, even if you don't know a lot about drumming. He just worked so hard to make that giant drum kit. He plays, put out a bunch of interesting rhythms and sounds. He also wrote all the band's lyrics, and most of it is really interesting poetry.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: I didn't know that either. Uh, Neil pert is, like, one of the drummers that I gained a deep respect for through playing, like, rock band for five years nonstop, just drums mm-hmm. like holding up in my room and just practicing playing Rush songs like limelight on drums like over and over and over and over again and figuring out like all of the different kinds of drumming that there are and I feel like that gave me a weirdly like uh detailed look at like how weird a drummer Neil Purt actually was mm-hmm. like he pioneered a bunch of like very very strange mathematical ways of playing the drums Uh yeah he he kicked ass Uh, Hey, thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. They're uh, good friends, good family, good times, great oldies. And uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for a theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. I went backwards with those.
0: I know, I'm a little
1: thrown. Maybe you can say something nice about Bowen and Augustus
0: um i absolutely love that song
1: yeah money won't pay uh, is a good one you can find a link to that in the episode description
0: (laughs) you're all tripped up now
1: (laughs) and thank you to maximum fun uh we have other stuff at mackleroy.family uh we're doing some a couple shows in cincinnati uh here in february and we got more announcements coming up soon uh is that it i think that might be it we got shirt we have yeah, shirt. Yeah,
0: thank you guys that have taken a picture of yourself wearing the shirt. Uh, we also got our shirts, and they are, in fact, very soft.
1: Very soft, soft, very soft. <laughs> These shirts are surfed. They're surf shirts.
0: We also got the Christmas ornament, which is very sweet. I've never, um, never had an ornament designed with my likeness on it, or a shirt for that matter. So that was a real treat.
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's good. I have all day, it's all Rachel wears. Is this shirt, and she carries around the ornament. Mm-hmm. She's always got one hand occupied by the Christmas ornament.
0: Mm-hmm. And when I go grocery shopping, I just everybody I run into, I say, eh? 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 eh?
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, uh, that's the end of our
1: show. And, um...
0: Can you come up with some other names for McGruff the Crime Dog that you would have liked to have heard?
1: <sighs> Spanky the No-Nonsense police pooch
0: Barry Beagle chief of police
1: Terry the anti-terrorist terrier (laughs) (laughs) that's really good